Welcome to episode 9. At breakfast, Council tells the first part of a story about a sneaky mermaid living in a creek pool in West Virginia. Then, Routhog goes on to tell a story about three magical apples, a hairy boogerman, and a basket full of truth. In once time, you'll meet John Spellman. Okay, okay, why don't, why don't you just tell me about it? John's friend, Council Register. Well, that farmer looked over, and he seen a very wet and very beautiful woman with long hair plastered down over her naked body. And Routhog. Uh, Woodvale, probably. Yeah, I think that town. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, it was over at Woodvale. So I said to Council, I says, yeah, right, right, a mermaid. And, and where was she, Council, in your swimming pool? Council says, just tell him. Right, Hog, just tell him. And Hog says, it's a true story, John. We both seen her two years ago in a creek pool in Berkshire County, West Virginia. Feller had her captured there before she died. Oh, okay, I said, sure, well, why don't you tell me about it? Well, I will, said counsel. So once time, John, there was a farmer over there in Berkshire who led the good life. He had a great wife and a good-looking, loving daughter, and, and they had a nice piece of land cleared out of some deep woods by a creek pool. And he had a number of other business interests, too, and he made good money. It seemed like everything went their way, and, and their money and happiness grew and grew from year to year. But then, when the farmer had begun to get up into old age, somehow the tide, the tide, as they say, turned. He begun to get poorer and poorer. Month by month, he lost more and more money, and his businesses failed, until finally... He could barely call the farm that he lived on his own. And oh, his problems sat heavy on him. When he lay down in bed at night, he, he couldn't get a decent rest. Instead, he'd toss and turn and worry himself sick. And one morning, the farmer was wide awake well before daybreak, so just went outside for a walk, hoping to ease the load on his mind. About an hour later, just as he passed along by the creek pool, the first rays of the sun came out, and he heard a strange gurgling sound in the pool. And he looked over, and he seen a very wet and very beautiful woman rising slowly up out of the water. Her long hair, which she held plastered down with long fingers over her narrow shoulders, flowed down on both sides of her naked body and covered a lot of it up. Oh, my goodness, he thought. There's a mermaid in my creek pool, and he, and he got really scared. But the mermaid spoke up in a nice soft voice, called him by his name, said, Billy Ray, why are you so sad? She spoke so friendly-like that Billy Ray bravened up and told her how he had lived for a long time in the lap of luxury but was now so near dirt poor that he did not know what to do. I'm getting desperate, he told her. Me and my family will be soon, soon we'll be better off, no better off than trailer trash. Oh, calm down, cooed the mermaid, no problem. I'm going to make you richer and happier than you ever were before. All you have to do is promise to give me what has just been born in your house. 
Oh, thought Billy Ray. <laughs> Born in my house? Well, that could be nothing but a puppy or a kitten. Wife and I had our daughter more than 20 years ago. And so he agreed to give the mermaid what she wanted. She just smiled and she said, I'll be waiting right here, Billy Ray, until my gift shows up. And then she slid back into the water again. Well, the farmer rushed right home to tell his wife the good news. And just as he's about to go to the door, his wife steps out and shouts that he should get happy, should shout hallelujah, because their daughter had come over to their house during the night and had just given birth to a beautiful little boy. I was like the farmer had been gab-smacked dumb. For a while, I just couldn't move. And, and then he bowed his head, and he went to his daughter's bedside, and when she asked him, Daddy, why aren't you happy about your fine little grandson? Look at him. And he told her what he had promised the mermaid. And everyone wept sad tears. Oh, what good are happiness and wealth, the farmer said, if I must lose my grandchild. We have got to protect him. And so protect him they did. They never let that boy go anywhere near the creek pool. And they'd say to him, be careful, be careful. If you just touch that pool water, a mermaid is going to grab you and drag you under. But in the meantime, the farmer's wealth came back. Whatever he tried went good. It seemed like his treasure chests filled up all by themselves, and his bank accounts got bigger almost overnight, and pretty soon his wealth was greater than it had ever been before. But he still could not be fully happy. The promise he had made to the mermaid tortured his heart, and whenever he walked near her creek pool, he was scared she would pop up and remind him about his debt. However, as the years passed and the mermaid did not reappear, the farmer began to relax. Until more than 20 years later, the farmer's grandson, his name was Jake, he'd grown into a fine strapping young man who contracted for a living and hunted deer for fun. And one night in the nearby little town, well, that would be Woodville, probably, said Roadhog. Woodville, I bet that's what was it, Woodville. Yeah, right, Hog, it was in Woodville. Jake met, at a dance, a beautiful and true-hearted gal, and it wasn't very long before he and the young woman was married, and they moved to Jake's place in the country, lived peacefully and happily, and loved each other with all their hearts. Until once time, about five years after they'd been married, Jake was chasing a deer he'd nicked. Back and forth and up and down in the woods, the poor scared thing went until it finally turned out of the trees and into an open area by a creek pool. Jake followed it and brought it down with one more shot. And after he had skinned and cleaned the deer, he went to the water to wash his hands, not realizing that he was actually on the backside of his grandfather's old creek pool. And no sooner did Jake dip his hands into the water than that mermaid rose up out of the pond, rose right up, right next to Jake, and hugged him with her wet arms and hair, and laughing, laughing, she dragged him down into the water so quickly that nothing but the slap-dap of the water could be seen. But when evening fell and Jake did not return home, his wife, her name was Cherie, became 
antsy and then nervous and then scared until she went out to look for him. And since she had been told about the mermaid's traps and snares, she already suspected what might have happened. She went to the creek pool, and when she found Jake's fanny pack lying on the bank, she could no longer have any doubts about her husband's capture. She called her sweet one by name, Jake, 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 over and over, but she got no response. She rushed to the other side of the quick pool and called him again, Jake, and she cursed the mermaid with nasty words and called out a challenge for her to fight. But the water surface stayed as calm and smooth as a mirror, showing only the sad, watery face of the half-moon. Still, Cherie could not leave that pool. She kept walking around and around it, at first crying, and then whimpering softly until her quick and nervous steps gradually slowed to a despondent, exhausted walk. And finally, losing all her strength, she sunk to the ground and fell into a deep sleep. And in Cherie's sleep, she had a dream. In that dream, she was climbing up the side of a mountain, Thorns and brambles pricked at her feet, rain slapped her face, and the wind whipped through her long, dark hair. But when she reached the top, the weather suddenly changed. The sky was blue, the air was sweet, and looking down the other side, Cherie saw that the ground sloped gently down to where a neat little single-wide trailer stood in a green meadow covered by flowers and sweet grass. She went right down to that trailer, and she opened the door, and inside sat an old, old woman with white, white hair, who waved to her in a friendly way and called out, Come on in. And at that very moment, in her dream, Cherie woke up. She was confused and despondent, just went back to her empty house. But the next morning... She realized that what she had dreamed about was a real mountain not too far from her home, and she hiked on up there. Well, you see, Smellman, dreams are important. You dreamed about a huge frog, didn't you? And, and that told you something, didn't it? Hey, Council, how do you know I dreamed about a frog? Well, you ever heard of people talking in their sleep? <laughs> oh, Oh, hey, fellas, begins to feel like we're going to be around here for a bit more. I got me some boiled rabbit hash. Let's get it ready. And he pulled out a cook pot and set to getting the rabbit ready. Well, I'll go fill up our water bottles, I said. I'll come with you, said Hog, and the two of us went down to the creek. Hey, Hog, I asked, was, was I really talking in my sleep? Well, I don't know. Because I think I was sleeping, too. Could be, though. Could be. Oh, and don't ignore your dreams anyway, John. Dreams are important. And as we filled up the containers, Routhog told me a story about a dream. Once, once time, Hog said there was a king. And I don't relect his name, he said, but there was a king who used to live right around here, right in this area. He had no sons and only one daughter who was always sick, and no doctor had been able to make her well. 
The king tried everything to cure his daughter, and then once time the king had a dream. He dreamed after a session with a palm reader that his daughter could probably get back her health if she ate three apples that were delivered to her by a good, simple person. So he let it be known out in the world that whoever brought his daughter apples that would make her well again could marry her and take over the kingship. Well, this news was heard by a man who had three sons and plans for a better life. So he says to his oldest boy, he says, Tom, go into our orchard, get a basket of my most beautiful apples and take them over to the king's place because maybe his daughter will get happy and healthy by eating my apples and then you'll marry her and become king and I can move into a house on your estate. So Tom went and he got some apples and after he'd gone a short way on his trip to the king's place, he met a little ugly kind of scabby, shabby, gray-haired man who asked him, what you got in your basket? And Tom, oh, he was such a smart aleck, Tom says, oh, I got frog's legs and cold grits. And that little scabby fella just says, well, okay, so be it. Let it stay that way. And he melted back away into the trees. Tom kept going. When he reached the king's house, he told the guards, he says, I got apples for the king's daughter, and she'll soon be well if she eats them. Well, the king was real happy to hear that news, and he ordered Tom to come before him. But when the king opened the basket, there were no apples at all, only frog's legs wriggling around in cold grits. Oh, the king had Tom chased right out of his castle. So, Tom's father sent his next son, whose name was Dick, to the king's house with another basket of apples. But the same thing happened to Dick as it happened to Tom. Dick met the little ugly gray-haired man who asked him what he had in the basket. And smart aleck Dick says, oh, I got hog's feet. And the man replied, well, so be it. May it stay that way. And when Dick arrived at the king's house and told the guards that he had apples that could make the king's daughter healthy again, they said, go away. Said that someone else had already been there and had made fools out of them. But Dick, however, he insisted that his were real apples and good apples and that they should let him in. So they led him to the king. But when the king opened the basket, there were only hog's feet, and that made the king real mad, and he had Dick whipped out of the house. And then Tom and Dick's little brother, his name was Larry, asked his father if he could go to the king's house with some apples. Oh, come on, said his dad. Do you really think you're the right guy for the job, huh? If your smart brothers couldn't do it, what makes you think you can? Because I want to, Father. I want to go, and I think I can do it. Oh, not now, you dumb thing. Wait till you're smarter, his father said, and just turned to walk away. But Larry tugged at the back of his father's jacket and said, I want to go, Father. I'm sure I can do it. And don't you want to live at the king's place? Well, said his dad. Okay, you go ahead then. First thing in the morning, you go and see if by some crazy chance you can do better than get yourself a whopping. That light. Larry could not sleep. His mind was all agog with beautiful maidens, castles, gold and silver, and all kinds of things like that. 
And early the next morning, he set out on his way, and he soon met a shabby, scabby little man in gray clothes who asked him, what you got in your basket? And Larry said, well, I got apples for the king's daughter to help her get her health back. Well, said the little man, then so be it, and shall it stay that way? But at the king's house, the guards wouldn't let Larry in. Two fellows had already come, they said, and pretended that they were bringing apples, and they had only frogs' legs and hogs' feet. Well, said Larry, I do not have animals' legs or feet, and while these apples here may not be the most perfect apples in the world, I'm pretty darn sure that they will help the princess feel better. Well, since Larry spoke so plain and straight, the gatekeepers thought that he could not be lying and let him in. And they were right, because when Larry opened the basket for the king, there was nothing in there but golden apples. And the king ordered that them apples be taken to his daughter. Her name was Sharonda. And as soon as she ate the first one, whoa, she jumped up out of bed in the pink of health. And so Sharonda and Larry met each other. And they liked each other a lot, and they, they both seemed really happy that they would be married. And the king, too, was happy until he took a good long look at Larry. <laughs> he thought, Larry, this is a poor old country boy. She's gonna, he's going to be my daughter's husband and inherit my house and good job? No, no, no. He had to make Larry give up and go away. And so the king told Larry he had to prove himself really worthy of Sharonda. He had to make a boat that would go faster on dry land than in water. And Larry said, okay, I'll start real soon. And he went home and told his father and brothers what had happened. And his dad said, oh, don't worry. Your brothers can get you out of this jam. And he sent Tom into the woods to make the boat. Tom worked all morning. At noon, the little gray-haired man came and asked him, What you making? And smart Alec Tom says, It's going to be a giant wooden chamber pot. And then the gray little man says, Well, so be it, and so shall it remain. By evening, Tom had finished the boat. But as soon as he got into it, he turned into a huge, it turned into a huge wooden chamber pot. The next day, Dick went into the woods, but the same thing happened to him, except that his boat changed into a giant pig trough. And on the third day, Larry went into the woods, and he worked harder than he'd ever worked before in his life, and he sang and whistled happy tunes. And the little scabby man came at noon and says, what are you doing? And Larry says, I'm making a boat that I hope will go faster on dry land than in water. And when it's done, I'll be ready to have the king's daughter for my wife. Well, said the little man, so shall it be. And Larry soon finished up that boat and sat down in it and whoosh, sailed away to the king's house. The boat going along the ground faster than a deer could run. And the king seen that, and, well, he was mighty impressed. But still, he did not want to give Sharonda to Larry, even though she seemed even more interested in Larry than before. So the king says, Larry must first prove himself really worthy of her. 
He must herd 100 rabbits from sunrise to sunset. And if even one of them rabbits got away, Larry would not get his daughter. Larry says, well, I'll sure try. And the next morning, Larry went down to the meadow with all those rabbits. Unfortunately, they were sleepy rabbits, but still, he had all he could do not to lose one of them. And after a while, a servant maid came down from the king's house, and she told Larry, you got to give me a rabbit quickly, because visitors have just come to the castle and they're hungry. And Larry said, no, I could not give you a rabbit today. But please, go tell the king that he could give his visitors rabbits too the next day. But the maid would not take no for an answer. So Larry said that if, if Sharonda would come and ask, he would give her a rabbit. And the maid reported this back at the king's house, and Sharonda headed out to the rabbit meadow. Now in the meantime, the shabby little magic man had reappeared and asked Larry, what was he doing with all those rabbits? And Larry said that he had to look after all 100 rabbits and make sure that not a single one ran away, and then he would be able to marry the king's daughter and become the king. Oh, okay, said the little man. Look, here's a magic whistle for you. So if a rabbit gets too far away, you just blow on the whistle and the rabbit will come back real quick. Pretty soon when Sharonda arrived, she told Larry that her daddy had made her come and she had to take back a rabbit. And Larry says, okay, okay, I'll give you a rabbit, but first you have to give me a kiss. And she did. And she liked it. So she gave him two more kisses. And then Larry put a rabbit in her shirt for her. And she started back home. But after she'd gone 100 feet, Larry blew his whistle and the rabbit sprung out of her shirt and went back to the other rabbits. And Larry put the magic whistle back in his pants pocket. The princess gave Larry a big smile, blew him a kiss, and ran off home. What neither one of them knew was that the king had sneaked out behind his daughter and saw what had happened, and he figured he needed Larry's magic whistle. So he sent his wife out to get it. The queen came down into the meadow, and she sat down right next to Larry, and she says, Hello, Larry. Hello, queen. Larry, could I have one of them rabbits, please? Oh, I'm sorry, ma'am. I, I have to keep them all together. Well, Larry, my husband thinks you've got something magic in your pants. He said our daughter saw it. Oh, yes, ma'am, but it's just a whistle. Well, could I see it? Uh, yes, ma'am, if you'll kiss me first three times. So the queen kissed Larry three times, and she seemed to like it because then she kissed him some more. And he showed her his whistle, but he would not let her touch it. And she returned to the house and told the king she could not get Larry to give her what she wanted. But in the meantime, that little man had appeared again and whispered some magic words in Larry's ear. So when the king himself came out of the meadow and rode his horse right up to Larry and says, Larry, give me that magic in your pocket. Larry said, yes, sir, if you will kiss me first. And the king said, no, I ain't kissing you. And Larry said, sir, all right. But if you will kiss the rear end of your horse, I will give you the magic. 
And that greedy old king thought for a short moment before he got down off his horse, looked all around to make sure they were alone, and he did what Larry had asked. And Larry gave him the magic whistle. The king popped it in his pocket, and he rode off to the palace. And as soon as that king was out of sight, Larry said the magic words he just learned from the little man, and instantly the whistle was back in his hand. And when the king got back to his place and saw the whistle had fled his pocket, he was furious. He called Larry in, had him stand up before the whole court, the men, the women, and most of the servants, and said, Larry, you have completed two very easy tasks, but now you must do something significant. You must do one last task that is actually very difficult. You must fill up this golden bucket with truth. <laughs>